0: Have you noticed how um, sometimes in life, like, there's things that you've maybe, like, signed up for, and once you kind of find out what you're really in for, you're suddenly not so excited about it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, um, for some people, it's like, the first day of class, like, man, I'm so sure of my major, I'm so confident, and, like, five minutes into the class, you're like, I'm out, peace, right? Like, this is a bad idea. Or maybe you know you're you're on that first day and you're like, yeah, that's great. Oh, sorry, we good. Yeah, you're you're talking. You're like, oh, that, oh, that's cool. So you're uh, you um, you're trying a European thing where you're you're never gonna shave your armpits or your legs. That I, that's cool. Hey, see you later. <laughs> right? He's <laughs> like, not so not so sure I'm signing up for this. Or I remember me um, I. I didn't really play sports in high school, mainly because once I found out, like, how much it required of me, I guess I was just being a wuss, but I was like, I don't want to do that, right? Like, why would I want to go to school all day and then have someone yell and cuss at me while I run around? Like, that sounds like a bad idea, right? Sometimes you sign up for something, and then you find out more about it, and you're just like, I I, I don't know. I was laughing, uh, I was at the gym the other day with uh, one of our students, and um, it was like 5.30 in the morning, pretty early, for this guy, it was Jerry Vega. Well, he wasn't the guy, but Jerry Vega noticed it. Where's Jerry? Where are you at? He wasn't here. He gone. <laughs> he wasn't here. Anyways, so Jerry noted, noted, pointed it out that there was a guy that literally was, like, slowly doing laps around the gym. And I say laps. I don't mean, like, running. I mean, like, just kind of casually walking. And every now and then, he would go up to a weight machine, and he would just kind of just kind of shimmy. <laughs> and then walk away, and I was like, that's not how it works, bro, right, like, you gotta try a little harder, and I haven't seen him since, and so, I don't know if he, like, realized what he signed up for, and that he didn't want to exert any effort, and so he just backed out, because sometimes you sign up for something, you get into something, <coughs> I'm sorry, and once you realize what you're really getting into, is tempting, Is tempting to back out, or especially sometimes, like, you you think you're signed up for something, and there's this like marvelous plan. And then once you figure out what the person's plan is, you're like, "I'm gonna try a different direction." You know what I'm talking about? Um, does that ever happen in the Christian life? What I mean is, let me rephrase that maybe. Do you ever think that you know what you signed up for, it, but then all of a sudden, like God kind of, at least from your perspective, changes directions? I think I'm getting a lot of head nods. Yeah, I think that happens. It that actually happens a lot. I really do believe, and it actually happened a lot with the disciples. It happened a lot where they thought they knew Jesus; they thought they had everything figured out about him, and what it meant to like follow him. And then all of a sudden, they're looking at each other like, "Maybe we didn't know this guy at all." And I think what happens in Mark eight is perhaps one of the greatest examples of that, where they're kind of taken aback; they're they're in shock when Jesus reveals what his plan is, what when he begins to tell them what they've really signed up for if they're gonna. Follow him. And if I'm just honest, this is one of those, I said this a few Sundays ago about a passage, and I, I guess it's unfortunate that it's so close again, but I really do believe the same thing tonight, that this is one of those passages that is just difficult for me. And I think if we're honest and we'll, we'll take this serious, um, this could be difficult for all of us, but it could also be a, a turning point for all of us. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he, talking about Jesus... He began to teach. Does that tell you all Mark 8 already? Are you there? I want to make sure you're there. Okay, sorry. Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, referring to himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. So, so far in Jesus' ministry, he hasn't like just straight up plainly explained what's going to happen he's going to be rejected and accused, arrested and accused by the religious leaders. What's talking about when it says the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified and killed. And three days rise again later. And it says He said these things plainly. So he's not like, you know, sometimes Jesus spoke in parables and, and ways that maybe uh, at, he had to give a lot of deep, deep thought. And he just tells them straight up, like, here's what's going to happen. Now, on this side of the cross, meaning like we're looking back, at, we already know what's happened, it's in the scriptures, it's, it's, it's part of history now, um, looking back at it, like, we're like, yeah, of course, that makes sense, like he said it plainly, it, it, doesn't seem, it doesn't really come as a shock to us. But to the disciples, it, com- it came as a complete shock. That when Jesus told them that, they weren't like, oh, cool, yeah, that makes sense. No, look what, look what it says Peter did, he's kind of a hothead. The, uh, starting at, uh, so it says, he said this plainly, plainly, verse 32. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's kind of crazy for us to think about, right? Like, I'm just going to take God over here. I'm going to tell him what's up, right? Like, that's crazy. Peter takes Jesus over to the side and begins to rebuke him. Jesus, you are not going to do this. What do you think you're doing? You are not going to be arrested and killed and suffer. You're not going to do this. I want to ask you a question. I legitimately want you, like so this is not a rhetorical, I want you to really talk about it for a second. I'll give you, a, I don't know, a minute or two. Why do you think Peter responded that way? Again, because he didn't just say, oh, that's interesting, Jesus. Tell me more about that. Like, no, he literally took him over and said, you're not going to do this. Are you? He are you, you rebuked him. Are you crazy, Jesus? What are you thinking? Why did Peter respond that way? I want you in your little, little huddles where you're at. I'm going to give you just a minute or two to kind of discuss that. Ready, set, go. Why did Peter respond that way? I know that you guys are brilliant gals and guys are brilliant theologians. So tell me, um, why do you think Peter responded that way? Someone raise your hand and holler at me. Don't be shy. Andre. Dust it off real quick, Andre. Okay, yeah. He said he had a preconceived notion about who Jesus was as the Messiah. And here's something we we gotta we gotta see here. Go back in the in the text. Go back to verse 29. Jesus talking to the disciples said or as it says and he asked them, "But who do you say that I am?" Peter answered him, "You are the Christ, the Messiah." So they had just said Jesus. We believe you're the Messiah, which is the long-expected coming Savior that was going to save Israel and rescue them. You're the Messiah. And here's the deal. Jesus didn't deny that. He wasn't like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not me. Like, he said, yeah, just don't tell anyone yet. Like he he, he told, strictly charged him to tell no one. So he didn't deny that he was the Messiah, the Savior. So here's why Andre's exactly right. Here's why Peter rebukes Jesus. Because from Peter's perspective... Messiahs don't die, they, they destroy everyone else, okay? Messiahs don't get killed, they go and conquer everyone else so that all us who are on his team can have the good life, right? So he's saying, Jesus, what are you thinking? What are you doing? That's not what the Messiah does. You're, you're confused on your job, bro. Like, that's not what the Messiah is supposed to do. But thank God, Jesus didn't listen to Peter, Look at what it says, verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciples, so he looks at his disciples, he remembers the real messianic mission, we're about to explain that, he rebuked Peter, so yeah, typically, like if you try to rebuke God, he's not going to put up with that, okay, so he rebukes Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Satan. Don't, by the way, don't use that like with your girlfriend or boyfriend, okay? <laughs> Just a little side note there. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, Peter was worried about his own comfort, his own fame, his own enjoying life. And he says, you're worried about the things of man, not the things of God. See, the, the mission of the Messiah was to come and bring salvation. And and from Peter's perspective, it was, we need salvation from against the Romans, and these Pharisees are oppressing us, and we don't like the Gentiles. But Jesus knew that Peter, along with the rest of us, including you and me, have a bigger problem, and that's called sin, right? So, see, Jesus knew Peter didn't just need a military hero, though one day Jesus will come back and we'll conquer, right? He knew he didn't just need a military hero. He needed a what? A savior, right? Someone to save him. So he says... Hey, Satan's trying to to use you right now to to deter me from the cross. So get behind me. I don't don't have time for that, right? I'm on a mission. But I think maybe there's a little more to what's going on with Peter. And why he, not just, Jesus, what are you thinking? But rebuked him. I think Peter... Knew one of the fundamental fundamental laws of leadership. And that is as the leader goes, so goes the what? The followers. Yeah. As the leader goes, so goes the followers. So I think Peter here is yes, he's worried about Jesus, what are you thinking? But also I think Peter's beginning to realize, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. You're the leader. If you're going to have to suffer, then what what about me? What what about us? Jesus, this is a really bad idea, right? I mean, hey, you didn't do your thing, but if this is going to affect us, this is a really bad idea. And Jesus, being the best teacher the world has ever known, saw it as an incredible opportunity to teach perhaps one of the most important lessons. He didn't look at Peter and say, but don't, uh, sensing Peter's anxiety and worry, he didn't look at Peter and say, but don't worry, everything will be fine for you. It's all going to be okay. No, he, he taught a really important lesson I think God, through Mark's writing, wants us to learn tonight. See, Jesus looks at Peter and the disciples and it says that in verse 34, he called a crowd to him. So he, he's, this is a really big teaching moment for Jesus. He's going to tell them, What a person has to do to follow him. What does a person have to do? What do you have to do to follow him? We might could say, like in using our terms, to become a Christian, right? What do you have to do to be a follower of Jesus? I think this may maybe what Peter was afraid of. Verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What do you have to do to follow Jesus, to be a Christian? Jesus says it really, really clearly. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. See, to be a follower of Jesus, he's saying, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself so my life is no longer about my wants, what my perceived needs are, what my thoughts are, what my dreams are, what my ambitions are, what what I want to do with my life. No, now my life is about whatever Jesus wants. I'm denying myself. I'm going to take up my cross. So, by the way... To his, those original hearers, it would not have been cute. Like, there's nothing wrong. With, I know we have crosses on our necklaces or whatever. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think in our culture, it can be like, oh, that's cute. It's a cross. This would have been horrific to them. This is the most barbaric death that you could imagine, that we can still really imagine today. And actually, in a lot of common, set, a lot of settings, it was, um, you would not have brought up a, a, a crucifixion. It was too disgusting. To, it was a topic you didn't bring up. So he wasn't being cute, take up your cross and follow me. No, they would have understood that to mean by picking up a cross, we're basically accepting death. So he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross. In other words, you're going to die to yourself. You're going to lay down your comfort and pick up a cross. You're going to lay down a crown, meaning your own glory, live in life for your own fame. And you're going to pick up a cross. You're going to lay down your ideas and your worries about the crowd and what the crowd thinks. And you're going to pick up a cross if you're going to follow me. It is not going to be easy. The road is going to be long. It may be dark. It may be dreary. There may be mocking. There may be insults. And it may lead to your death. But if you want to follow me, that's what you've got to do. Pick up your cross and follow me. Live life the way I live life. If you want to follow me, that's what you've got to do. That's what he said. Y'all, you know, this is... This is where like it starts hitting us a little bit, a lot of bit. Do you realize how countercultural that is to the church culture today, especially in America? Like, I think a lot of us, like even that have been in church for a long time, and maybe even claim to follow Jesus for a long time, we view following Jesus. We think it's almost as simple as like just like following somebody on Twitter. Like, oh, he seems pretty cool. Follow like. Jesus doesn't need more followers. Or sorry, he doesn't need more Twitter likes and follows, okay? He wants real followers. I love Kyle, Kyle Adelman. Am I saying his name right, Lauren? Kyle Idleman. He wrote a book called um, Not a Fan. <laughs> See, the church culture in America today, it's all about, yeah, I'm a fan of Jesus. And it really, is like America, that's kind of the culture. Like, yeah, Jesus is cool. He's all right. Yeah, I, I like him. Jesus doesn't want just a fan. He doesn't want you just to be okay with him. He says, No, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be on, quote, Team Jesus, then you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I'm not about fanfare. I don't really care if you have the t shirt or not. Are you serious about following me or not? Are you a follower? Are you just a fan? I'm afraid we got a whole lot of fans. I don't just mean like in here, but probably in here there are some just, just some fans. Jesus says, there's really no in-between. Like there's not like a, I have some serious Christians who really follow me. And then I have just some people who like me. And they're Christians too. No, 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 no. He says, the people who really come after me, who really know me, who are really my followers, they deny themselves. Their own wants, wishes, desires, or their own rights. They pick up their cross and they follow me. Here's where I want to encourage you a little bit. <clears throat> I think it's easy to, to read this, even as a Christian, and be like, oh man, I've got to pick up my cross more. I've got to do better. And, and not realize, it's actually, if you keep reading, an invitation... To life. <laughs> this is not just a guilt trip that Jesus is giving out. This is actually an invitation to life. Look at what he says. For whoever would save his life, so wants to keep their own wants, their wishes, desires, make, them, make their lives about themselves. Whoever would save his life will actually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. So here's the deal. When you decide, you know what, Jesus is bigger and better than anything or anyone, so because of him, I'm going to give him everything. I'm just going to give him my life. I'm going to give him. See, again, to be a follower of Jesus, you have to give up everything. Give up everything to follow him. So when you see he's bigger, he's better than anything or anyone, you say, hey, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to lose my life and say, Jesus, it's all yours. When you do that, you actually save your life. That's when you find life he says for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul so this is like if you're doing like a cost return benefit analysis like when you try to save your life and make your life about you you actually lose everything what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to forfeit his soul so Jesus is saying if If you choose to not follow me, but just to be a fan of me and make life about yourself and not really actually give me your life, you might gain everything the world has to offer, but you're going to lose the most important thing, your soul. You're not going to experience eternal life. You're not going to experience the joy, the love, the peace that comes for me. It's kind of like the person who, from the world's perspective, has everything. They have the nicest car, the nicest clothes, the nicest house. All the money in the world. But in reality, every night when they go home, they're lonely, they're depressed, and they're unsatisfied with life. That, that, that's kind of the picture here. You, you could gain everything, but if you don't, Jesus say if you don't have me, if you don't have eternal life, if you don't have me willing up inside of you, then then you've lost everything. And here's the deal. If you lose it, there's no second chances at this. It says, for what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. So see, there are no do-overs with this. We're not gonna, you're not gonna get to heaven and be like, oh, dang, Jesus, you were, you were right. You're for real. Uh, can I try this again? Like, how can I pay you back for my soul? Like, th- there's not a second chance on this. Like, if you're a fan on this earth, when you get to heaven, you can't all of a sudden, like, all right, now, now that I see you're the king of kings and lord of lords, all right, now I got you. Now I'm gonna follow. Like, it's too late. He says, you, you can't give anything in return for that. It's gone. You may have gained everything on this earth, but if you didn't become a follower, pick up your cross on earth, then when it comes to eternity... You lose everything. You spend eternity in hell away from Christ. See, Jesus had a much bigger picture of life than just what we see in this little world. So he's like, why would you you not give up what you see in this world to actually have real life, eternal life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, Son of Man. Turn over to Daniel chapter seven. So, if you're unfamiliar with that, that's okay. It's just to the left, a long ways to the left. It's after Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and before Hosea. Daniel chapter seven. Chapter 7 of Daniel, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. In his kingdom, one that shall not be So the son of man is the king of kings, one who will reign forever. Every knee will bow. Everyone will serve him. By the way, New Testament, who is the son of man? Help me out a little bit, a little louder. Who's the son of man? Jesus. Jesus. Put these together. Why should we be ashamed of Jesus when he's the son of man? Whatever little bit of embarrassment or difficulty we might face on this earth, one day when we stand before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, Jesus himself, why would we be ashamed? We're not gonna be ashamed. We're gonna say, that's right, I was his follower. Even when all you jokers thought I was an idiot, I followed him because I, he's the King of kings. So I chose not just to be a fan, I chose to be a follower of him. See, in that day, when we stand before him, it will be absolutely, completely worth it. When Jesus, let me get back to Mark 7, sorry. When Jesus, oh, no, Mark 8, oh, there we go, is not ashamed of us. When he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels, man, what a beautiful thing for the king of kings to not be ashamed of you, but to say, yeah, that's right, that's my follower. I know him, I know her, yeah, they're with me. We have no reason to be ashamed of the king of kings. So here's the deal. Jesus says, following me, if you want to follow me, you got to give up everything. It's not easy. Following Jesus. It is not easy. But it is absolutely, 100% worth it. Y'all with me? bless you <laughs> following Jesus is not easy but it is absolutely 100 percent percent worth it here's the deal some of some of you in this room and don't like I'm just not like try, not trying to sound judgmental or like hateful but if we're just honest, some of you in this room, like, you've been doing the church thing for a long time, but you know you're just a fan. You're kind of like the guy that Jerry and I saw in the gym. And, like, you kind of come around, you, like, do a little shimmy at church, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and do your little thing. But when it comes down to it, you, you're not lifting any weight. <laughs> like, you're just, you're kind of trying to look the part, but in reality, it, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're just, you're just trying to play the part. And here's the deal. If you're only a fan, then, then you're not a Christian, if you're only a fan, then you're not going like, to, to be clear, you're not going to have eternal life with Jesus. And not, it's not just like the eternity, like that one day in heaven, like you're missing out on real life right now. Like you're the walking dead for real, okay? Like if you're only a fan, then you're missing out. So maybe tonight you know is your night that Jesus is tapping and saying, hey, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be hardship. You know, I may even call you to move to the other side of the world and and be a missionary for me. Who knows what's going to happen over there? It's not going to be easy. Maybe I'll have you stayed right here in Lubbock and your life won't be faint. There won't be fame, There won't be glitz. There won't be glamour. But you know what? It's worth following me. So he said, hey, come follow. Maybe tonight's your night. Some of you, like, you've not been playing the church game, which is, like, maybe actually be a good thing, but you've not been playing the church game. Like, yeah, church is a really bad hobby to have, by the way, okay? Like, if this isn't real, if this is just a joke to you, then, like, there are more fun things to do, right? But, so some of you, maybe you've not been playing the church game, you've you've not been, like, even acting like a fan, but you're here because Jesus has interested you. Maybe tonight's your night where you don't understand anything everything there is in in this book, in this God-given book, but maybe you realize, hey I realize that I'm a sinner, that Jesus loved me enough to die for me to rescue me, he conquered death he conquered the grave, and I realize he's calling me to follow him, I gotta give up everything, literally all my hopes wishes, dreams, desires, I gotta give it up to follow him, he may even take my own life but you realize tonight that he's worth it and maybe tonight's your night. Where you go just from being like a, a bystander, kind of looking at Jesus from distance to saying, hey, I'm gonna follow. He's worth it. I'm gonna surrender everything. I'm gonna give up everything to follow. Maybe tonight's your night. I don't know. Here in a little bit, we're gonna have, my wife and I and some others will be back in the back. We'll love to pray with you to explain what that looks like just to surrender to Jesus, to follow. But a lot of us in here maybe are already followers but we just kind of forgot what Jesus really expects of his followers. You with me? It's easy, especially in the American culture, to kind of forget what Jesus really expects of his followers. But if I could, like, this is where, this is really convincing for me and I feel like we have no idea the extent of what this passage means. But do y'all realize we live and one of the most prosperous, no, probably not one of the most, let's say the most prosperous, peaceful. I know there's a bunch of junk going on right now. But even with that said, we live in one of the most prosperous, peaceful nations the world has ever known at one of the most peaceful times the world has ever known. And, beyond, and to add to that, like as much as we want to complain about the way Christians are treated, the reality is Christians in America, we're not persecuted. I don't want to make light of things. But really, like in comparison to what goes on in the rest of the world, we are not persecuted. So here's the deal: we can look back and scratch our heads and go, well, "That just doesn't make sense." That's pretty cool. Or we could say, "I've been given a unique and incredible opportunity to make much of Jesus." And the reality is, somehow by God's grace, I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. But somehow, I'm beginning a unique opportunity where I can be bold for Jesus. And the reality is, I may not experience a ton of persecution. So here's the deal. If there have ever, if there has ever been a people that was without excuse for being bold for Jesus, for following Jesus wholeheartedly, if there's ever any group without excuse, y'all, it's us. <laughs> I'm sorry, but but it's us. Like I, I think like in in heaven, it's possible. I don't know, but I think in heaven, like, you know, it's, this is not how it works, but if we're like standing in line waiting to meet Jesus, you know, like the meet and greet or whatever, I'm afraid that American Christians might be at the back of the line. As much as we want to think, man, we're really smart. We, we all have 10 Bibles. We're very spiritual. Like, I think we may be at the back of the line because most of us, we've kind of lived more of a fan life than a follower life. So here's what this world needs. A generation of Christians Who will stand up and say, I'm not going to give up in freedom where others are not going to give up in persecution. I'm not going to continue to give into my own sinful passions because I want to be passionate about Jesus. I'm not going to just live my life to make a bunch of money because I'm going to live my life to make much of Jesus. I'm not going to use my social media just to show everybody how cool I am. I'm going to use my social media to show everybody how cool Jesus is. You know what, I'm not going to, at spring break, when everybody else is going to get trashed, I'm not going to go get trashed. I'm going to go to Houston, and I'm going to go, with, with Southcrest, I'm going to go help pick up some trash that's been left there because of Harvey. I'm not going to just waste my time in college playing around and partying. No, I'm going to spend my time in college playing my part in the kingdom to make much of Jesus. I'm going to pick up my cross. I have, we have no excuse. This generation needs a group of Christians, young people like you, who are gonna stand up and say, Jesus, all I have is yours. You said it wouldn't be easy, but I wanna follow you. So, everything I have, Jesus, here it is. Every day I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna deny myself, I'm gonna pick up my cross, I'm gonna follow you. That's what this generation needs. So, here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer. And when I do that, if you tonight want to go from being just a fan or like just a bystander just kind of looking at a distance to being a follower of Jesus, I'd love to talk with you in the back. But if you're already a Christian, I would like you to take these, just, we're going to sing just for a few minutes. I want you to take these songs as an opportunity to remember what it means to follow Jesus. Say, Jesus, all I have is yours. I want to be like you. I want to know you. I'm picking up my cross every day. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for these students. I thank you for your word and that you don't pull any punches. (laughs) You just tell us how it is, God, that if we're going to follow you, we've got to deny ourselves and pick up our cross. So, Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to be brave because you are absolutely worth following. God, we love you. I pray you move in our hearts during this time. In your name we pray. Amen.